the truth and shame the devil. What's wrong with this thing? I think it's busted. Busted. What's good, ladies, gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets, perverts, explorers of all kinds, drifters and drinkers and thinkers and stinkers. Welcome to Bust a Mouth, usually every Monday at Q4 Radio from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., but currently working from home because we're all going to die. It's a show about rock and roll, sticking it to the man, your big stupid feelings, streaming around the world for the time being, everywhere you get your podcasts. I don't know where you're listening, but wherever it is, you should leave a review. Just just do that. Take two seconds, and if you if you can leave a review, leave a review, a good one. A good, God damn it, I just need the help. I'm J.W. Basillo, your host as always. That's my name. It has been a lot of week. I hope everybody had a terrific Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know if you went anywhere, did anything. We, we uh, my partner and I, uh, she and I just kind of hung out at home. I, I did make a Thanksgiving dinner. It Most of it came out of a box. I was just like, man, stovetop stuff and mix. Let's get after it. Uh, shout out to stovetop. If you're listening, I'll, I'll take that endorsement. I really will. Yeah, so we just hung out. Uh, we we just kind of bullshitted around and, and made some dinner and watched some TV and watched some movies and, and did pretty much the same thing we do every day because it's Groundhog Day and that's where we are, but at least it was uh, vaguely special. I hope you did something good. I hope you didn't travel too far because we all know that's not a great idea. Um of course, it's it's easy to get nostalgic around the holidays when you're when you're so far out of your routine, and it's easy just on a Monday to long for the days of the before time. I really want to stop for a beer on the way home and sit like uncomfortably close to somebody I don't know because the Hawks game is on and there are no seats, and I hate that. But damn it, I just want to do it. I want to see a movie outside my living room. I want to get a hotel for the weekend just because, just because we can. Like you know, you want to get a hotel for the weekend and do hotel stuff but you can't do these things i i just i'm bummed i'm a little bummed i'm dealing with it you're dealing with it let's uh, dwell on it a whole bunch i don't miss the traffic i really don't i i do not miss the traffic because the traffic is certainly lighter but that's about all everything else everything else i miss even the stupid things if life expectancy is to be believed i'm i'm just about exactly in the middle of this life and it's becoming more and more glaringly obvious by the day. I don't know the name of any celebrity that has debuted since, like, 2011. There are whole sweeping cultural movements I know absolutely nothing about. Pop culture just walked past the door, and I went, nah, oh, not for me. Kept on walking. I've been having significant who-needs-all-this-new-technology moments. Like, that's a thing that's been happening. Like, who needs this? This seems like overkill. Ah, ah, get off my lawn. I'm starting to get why my father has not heard a new song that wasn't smooth jazz since he was approximately the exact age that I am now. I know I just said approximately and exact, but really, when I think about when my dad stopped buying new music, it was right about when he was my age, you know, 37. And as I read and composed the story from last week's episode, I found myself really washed in sweet nostalgia, baby. This longing for a time when everything seemed possible, when, when time stretched out before me and it felt infinite, even though I knew it wasn't. And as a sad boy, I have this deep connection to feelings, but specifically to this feeling of of walking alone all hours of the night. And it's not the walking. The walking is the meditative, is the, is the, is the, it's the scaffold on which the things were built. But the walking is important. Uh, it allows me to to dream of grand gestures and, and dream of what happens when I get the money and well, no one understands me, but one day they'll be sorry and they'll come to me hat in hand and I will say, who let you in here? Ha 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 ha. 
uh, uh, you know, the kind of things you fantasize about when you're drunk and it's late and you're alone and sad. You know, I, I used to ride the train when I felt lost and I'd watch the city go by while listening to the same three songs on repeat. And that's not a thing I can really do anymore. Trains are just not a place I can go. And now most nights or every night, my partner and I stare into the TV from dinner until whenever she goes to sleep, just killing time like I used to see grownups do. And a while back, we were watching a movie uh, and just enjoying the movie. But we noticed that every single song on the soundtrack was one from our late adolescence. And we were digging it. And it was like, oh, man, what a great soundtrack. And then we discovered, holy shit, we're at the age of the people making the movies. And the people making the movies are our age, so they're creating movies for other people their own age. Oh my god, we're grown-ups. Maybe like Richard Linkletter didn't make Dazed and Confused to entertain me specifically in my youth. Maybe he just did it to remember his own youth. Huh? How old were my parents when they started going to 60s rock and roll revival shows at the Civic Center? The exact age I am now? This can't be possible. If that's true, where's my big chill? Where's our movie where the old gang meets up after a long time away because who has the time and we all learn about things and ourselves and we have an iconic scene where we unironically do the dishes together to back that thing up or like kryptonite and oh that's already been done a million times starring people exactly my age that's right i missed it i missed everything i missed all of those movies watching the strokes play on snl or i think dave Chappelle, or maybe jesse camp was hosting i put that jesse grant reference in there because i was just really uh, jazzed at the thought that somewhere in this godforsaken land I could create a moment where someone chuckled and thought, <laughs> I haven't thought about that heroin chic pseudo VJ in years. See, heroin chic VJ, I'm doing it again. VJ, video jockey, are you shitting me? I started the year with exactly two gray chest hairs and now they're running amok across my torso. I can no longer count them. They just keep showing up. They're like weird cousins at a barbecue. The guy that I am basing everything on now, my style vision board, is somehow Stanley Tucci. What? I get that he's a hot dad. You probably remember him as the bumbling bad guy who wasn't Oliver Platt in Beethoven. Remember Beethoven back before dog movies got so stupid? Anyway, did I just say Stanley Tucci's the guy I'm looking for for inspiration? God damn it! I mean, of course. Like, he looks very distinguished and not like, uh, you know... He's well-styled. He's not like some ridiculous rapper. Oh my God, what am I doing?! So today's theme is nostalgia, I guess, evidently. Uh, but in all seriousness, it's it's not really a harrowing idea. But I think for many people right now, as we slog our way into the holiday season with no choice but to remember what our lives were like a year ago, I, again, it, it just gets really easy to drift into longing for the recent past or, or, or the distant past or even like, you know, long for the 90s again. Like, wouldn't the, man, God, the 90s were so easy. The, the president... Maybe, potentially, who knows? Getting a blowjob was the big scandal of the day. Our biggest fear was was Y2K destroying everyone's AOL browsing experience. It's just, it was so easy, but it's it's best not to drift too far. It, re- it really is. We've seen what happens. We've seen it in, for example, the <clears throat> baby boomer generation, like a nation of people who dislocated their arms for years, patting themselves on the back for civil rights, and then they became this throng of Blue Lives Matter I wish we could protest peacefully. Have you heard about vaping? It's killing people. I read it all on Facebook. Stay in the sweet spots, my babies. Take your fiber supplements and smoke legal weed and stream Bill and Ted, but don't stop trying to discover new music. Don't stop trying to 
learn and grow and be a person. I mean, if we're ever allowed to go outside again, yeah, sure, fuck it. Go see Less Than Jake at the county fair. Have a deep ride, Twinkie. Enjoy yourself. But if you find yourself walking around that very interesting cross-section of the world saying like, wow, boy, what are the kids wearing these days? Back in my day, we used to wear Dr. Seuss hats. Take your old ass home and sit in the corner. How's that for nostalgia? Staring at the wall, you Lipitor-laced crust punk. Isn't it your turn to be snack dad? Don't you have to build a deck? Just own it. Settle in. The past, it's over. We are aging. I don't want to say over, but we're definitely aging. It's time to take our place in the world and we don't have to be bitter about it. Sure, you can reflect on your life, but you don't have to think everything old was better. Yes, gravity is kicking your ass, but you don't have to get mad at the sky and give up trying to dress yourself. That's bad nostalgia, Earl. Let's keep it moving. Maybe do what our guest this week does and take yourself on a new kids on the block fan cruise. Woo! Weird transition. Odd transition, but I did it, and I'm keeping it. Uh, just go out there. Get a bathing suit. Mark out in a sweet environment. Just be safe. You know, our guest this week just does exactly that. We talked about it a bunch. Uh, Kara Williams is the stand- is a stand-up comedian and the author of I'm Fangirling Snarky Stories and Boy Band Memories. She joined me from her place in Grand Rapids, and we're going to get to this conversation right after, I don't know, some sort of transition sound effect. <laughs> points uh cool so this is uh this is my friend kara williams who's calling in from from the wonderful and uh the glorious grand rapids michigan uh where she's a comedian and also a professional fangirl and a real badass and someone i i just enjoy talking to uh you're here with us you you are the author of the new book i'm fangirling which we are totally gonna get into uh hi hi Oh, I um, used my customer vo- service voice on you. I'm so sorry. Uh, that's okay. I'm I'm using my my regular my DJ voice, which has actually just turned into my regular voice because now I can't get out of it. Like I just sound this way all the time. You do sound this way all the time. I know, but but like like when I met you five years ago, this is what you sounded like. This is just what I sound like. It just so happens that I sound like a fucking radio DJ, and now I am a radio DJ. So like, eh, right. I guess it all just worked out. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was like an Ouroboros of sorts because I was a kid. Like maybe one day I'll be a radio DJ, and then my voice just kind of naturally warped into being a radio DJ, and here we are. <laughs> you knew about the secret way before anybody else. You manifested that. You're goddamn right, I did. You're goddamn right. Um, hey, so I'm gonna ask you the question I ask everybody: What is the what is the first album you ever bought with your own money? Uh, TLC. Ooh, on the TLC tip. Ooh, girl. Ooh, on the TLC <laughs> tip. Ready? Yeah. That was uh, the single off of that was uh, "What About Your Friends?" Is that right? There were a couple. Yeah. What about your friends? Um, God, what else was there? Was "Baby, Baby, Baby." Mm, okay. Yeah. On that one, I got um, so much love in me. Yeah, baby, 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 good um and how what year did you graduate high school oh three. Oh, three. oh, so you're like you and i are like right about the same age you're a couple years younger than i am all right so that yeah. makes perfect sense i remember that album came out when i was probably like in the sixth grade and uh yeah well i got it probably right around the time like not too much before crazy sexy cool came out i think i was right. just trying to do that like hipster thing where i was like i'm gonna get the earlier album oh you were already dialed in behind i wasn't like uh i wasn't like um 
a trendsetter as far as R&B in the 90s goes. Like as like an eight-year-old, I wasn't out there on the front lines in Hudsonville, Michigan, which is very rural. We grow onions. <laughs> That's good. So when you bought it, like was it a, was it a, I'm going into the store, I've saved my money, my mother is taking me, like give me the, give me the whole deal. My mom took me, I'm sure, because that's how did I get anywhere. Um, I believe we had a Suburban, like the full-size Suburban where most of it is ass. Oh, you know? yeah. The grocery getters. Um, may or may not have had wood paneling, I'm not sure. I think I'm probably just like, am reimagining it with wood paneling because that <laughs> sure. seems more picturesque. I don't think we have that, though. Uh, yeah, and I, it wasn't her money. It was my money from babysitting. I've, been, I've had a job since I was like 11 years old because I count babysitting on weekends as a job. But my folks are that way too. Like we I didn't always have a job, but like we got an allowance, but we had to work for it. It was like mm. you get a dollar twenty five a week, but if you don't hit these chores, you mm-hmm. fuck yourself. And that's just where we are. Yeah. I have that too, but I mean like a dollar or whatever a week, which is what we were getting as well. What's that gonna buy you? What do I have all the patience in the world? No. Uh, I'll tell you what it'll buy you. If you wait long enough, if you can hang on for 10 weeks, you could get Motley Cruz Doctor Feelgood on a cassette from a Kmart and you could be me. 10 weeks though? You had the patience of a saint as a child. We had cable. I didn't. I'm sorry to hear that. Do you want to talk <laughs> about that for a while? No, wait. I think I did because I was raised by the Simpsons. So, uh, no, that was Fox. We didn't have to have cable for that. When you were, when you were young, was the Simpsons like a, a thing that people were very upset about when I, oh. in your small town, Michigan? For, yeah, like big time. Everybody in my hometown was Christian Reformed mm-hmm. and like blonde and huge because they were all like Dutch. Dutch farmers are in Norway. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really big stock. Um, I was like a minority in my high school because I have brown hair. The first question out of everybody's mouth when you meet them, even if you're a child, is what church do you go to? My family mm-hmm. did not do that. We didn't go to church. We were comfortably agnostic. And I was the only kid I know who had been watching The Simpsons since its inception. Like every Other families definitely looked down on our family for The yeah. Simpsons alone. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. I was a fourth generation Chicagoan, but I, I lived in a small town in Indiana when I was a, when that show came out. That's how where I was living. Cause my dad had a job there, and uh, sure enough, like it, everybody was super Christian, way country, way a lot of things that I didn't pick up on because I was too young to know the difference. But then, like right. you know, yeah, we moved out of there when I was ten, and I was just like, oh my god, where the hell did we live? What kind of weird ass backward shit did I did I grow up in? These suburbs are way more affirming. <laughs> You're so lucky, though, to have gained that perspective at an earlier age. I didn't know about anything until I left that town. You know, like well, I was like 22 when I and what I did was go 20 minutes east. <laughs> <laughs> so we left out. Difference. So when you left it at, at 22, so did you go to college? Do that whole thing? I did, and I went to Grand Valley State University for oh. uh huh approximately 10 years. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am not a doctor. I do not even have a bachelor's degree, but I did switch majors about seven times. But that was in like my backyard, basically. It, I was still living at my parents' house and it took me like 10 minutes to drive to school. Hmm. So, Yeah, I knew a few kids from Chicago that actually went to Grand Valley because they were just like, it, it feels far enough away. That was not my motivation. It was, um, I got in and it's right there. <laughs> So we are, I mean, I'm touching on nostalgia a little bit. So we always talk about the past because, you know, where we come from is where we're going. Me, uh, all the things I can put in this workshop. Uh, but I, we always talk about those kind of things. You have a lot of nostalgic stuff, like central to your career that I want to get into. But first I want to talk a little bit about um, how you stumbled into, into stand-up. I mean, obviously, 
obviously you're funny, but like, what was it, especially coming from a, like a smaller community like Grand Rapids, how did that whole thing build for you? Uh, my one line answer that I usually use is I started being funny once I got ugly. Um, <laughs> but like, that's kind of, that, that really is like the boiled down answer because I was an absolute douchebag in my twenties. I, I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. Like that mm-hmm. was my dream when I was like 18. I used to sit at Steak and Shake all night long and just like write observational people, but I was essentially just being, <laughs> um, didn't quite get the joke of it all, you know? <laughs> It's like um, one of those one of those roasts where it's like, oh, that was mean, but none of those were jokes. They were just right. Articles. Yeah, right. If it's mean and not funny, that's not a roast. It's just being mean. Right, right. Like my priority and like my self esteem was real wonky, and I so my priority in my twenties was like, put your boobs out, you know, and like that was my whole personality. That and like country line dancing. <laughs> <laughs> The first half of my 20s is what my mind was just occupied with learning line dances and ascending to the top of that social structure. Because that's always my end game for anything that I do is I want to ascend to the top of that social structure. Me too. Don't tell anybody, but totally me too. Truly. Yeah, me too. Condition. Once I kind of, I got like a little fatter and I stopped, like I got lazier. I didn't feel like shaving my butt cheeks anymore. Like that was something I did when I was younger, which is weird. They're not hairy. It was weird. (laughs) (laughs) um then i started like blogging and being kind of funny and then um you know the drunken retort Mm -hmm. that's where i met you yeah so the the drunken retort open mic night in grand rapids i had been a fan i'm always a fangirl so i had been going for a couple years and i realized that i would kind of like some attention too so i read a blog and then i would write things specifically for that and i'm not a poet so Mm -hmm. they kind of evolved into doing stand-up and, and I, at about 30, when I was 30, I started writing actual jokes and going open mics. And stuff. Yeah. I think when we met, you had just started. Cause I think I, I did the drunken retort show in Grand Rapids. Like, you know, I was doing the Michigan circuit mm-hmm. where I was hitting Detroit and everywhere else. And I think I did drunken retort. And I remember we said, I think we sat at the same table and you were talking about like, I just started to do stand up and I'm starting to get into it. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like it was a relatively new thing for you. Yeah. I think that was the second time you were at retort, right? Cause prop, the first prop. time yeah, I was there twice. The first time I met you at Retort, I didn't do anything, and I was like just your fangirl and basically just throwing myself at you all night in a really, really embarrassing way. I don't. I, I didn't. I don't. You were not at all embarrassing. Okay, great. I feel like you're lying, but that's okay. No, um, no, no trust yeah. me. I, we wouldn't be talking if you were embarrassing. We wouldn't be talking right now. Trust <laughs> like, me. Not, not this chick. Right. Yeah. Because I'm just saying, like I've 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 had people uh, embarrass themselves in front of me, and I I wouldn't invite them to hang out. You know what I'm saying? It's awkward for for you then. Mm-hmm. You have to empathetically take on that embarrassment. Yeah, and usually that's just me. So I'm really good at the empathy side of it, but I also <laughs> uh, have no patience for humans. So whatever, America. That, oh my God, that's me too. I think that anybody who's a performer has to have a certain level of empathy. I think that we have more than like the regular person because you have to be relatable to a large number of people. And to do that, you have to understand a large number of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think performers are, are inherently, most of us anyway, are, are inherently uh, tied to this idea of like, what do people think about me? <laughs> and, and how do people feel about me? So, so there's also this like, uh, I understand, I can recognize in other people that you're concerned about how I feel about you, et cetera. So it, it makes, it makes perfect sense to me. That makes more, yeah. I never thought about it that way. That makes, that's a more selfish um, explanation, but yes, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
here I was like, I'm so good at feelings. And you're like, well, it's because you want people to care about what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that seems more correct <laughs> i mean i mean i think there is i think there is some sort of like bonding empathy like i don't know about you i can't speak for you but for me um i always feel like people i'm always concerned about how people feel about me and what they think about me and it's like mm-hmm. the bane of my existence but it's also like you know how i got funny yeah no that's the crux of it right there because you just start making the jokes that you feel like people are thinking about you anyway sure and like yeah like that's how i i just get out in front of it i think yeah, it's easy for me to make jokes about my weight before you. Like I was a really heavy kid, so that was a thing that I, you know, that was something I tried to do. I mean, I spent my whole life just trying to make my dad laugh, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but really, like that was a that was a big part of it. Was like if I say this, how do people respond? If I say this, how do people react? If I make this joke, if I repeat this, it, you know, and just really paying attention to like someone loved me, someone pay attention to me. I mean, no joke. I started having less reckless one night stand sex with strangers to seek validation once I started doing stand up because I was getting my validation in a different way then. Say that shit again because that's real. Uh, you don't have to say it again, but like absolutely, I know that feeling that's big time. Funny. Yeah. Way less risk of STD this way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the diseases are different, like, you know, cirrhosis, things like that. <laughs> what? Say what? You said uh, you, I don't, and I apologize for misquoting it, but um, I got funny when I, when I got ugly. What was it? What was the quote you said? Yeah, that was pretty much it. You think that's true though? I think it's, yeah. I think when I got uglier, I'll say, cause I don't want to sit here and be like, I'm a troll person, you know, <laughs> although I did prop my, I didn't know if you used video for your podcast, but also I knew that we would be doing a video chat. And so mm-hmm. I didn't want to look like a huge troll person. So I put makeup on and did my hair specifically for this. That's okay. I specifically shaved and stuff. Like I didn't want, you know, no one wants to look bad, but like, I don't, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen photos of you back in your old, old fangirl day. And I don't, I don't think I, I don't agree. I'm just saying I don't I think agree. I was just thinner and that's, you know, like, uh huh, yeah. Right. Thinner, younger, things weren't as low as they are now. <laughs> <laughs> I looked like a pre-surgery Kardashian in my twenties, but I didn't, or my early twenties. But like that wasn't the cool body type back then, you know? Right, right. So I didn't realize what I had at the time. So that's just a joke I do like in retrospect, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I also care less about what I look like now, so. But I mean, I think that's inherently attractive in humans, right? When you, you, I've made the effort to look good for myself, but I don't give a shit if people think I'm hot. Generally Mm -hmm. translates to people being perceived as more sexy, right? I think so. You can tell if somebody's trying too hard or if they're fishing for compliments or whatever. Off-putting. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, like we—I I hate to admit this, but I, I was an improviser here in the city of Chicago, and uh, you know all that. Because look, no. if, you, if you're a stage performer in Chicago, you've taken improv because it's the cap—it's the capital of improv. You know, it's the improv capital of the world. So I've done it. Um, and whenever they talk about like how to be sexy on stage, everyone will just tell you the same thing: just be confident, mm-hmm. be the most confident person on the stage, and people will naturally associate that with sexiness. I get—I'll get hit on when I leave the stage. And I've just spent 20 minutes talking about like my unruly pubes, the fact that my body looks like uncut dick, <laughs> like, you know, things like, like just the terrible, gross things. And then I'll get off stage and some dudes like, Hey, so I heard you mentioned your vagina. <laughs> like I, that, that always, always happens. And it's, it's just, a lot of hearing. Well, and people are naturally drawn to those who are on stage because everyone wants to be around the person in control of the room, you know? That's true. I hate when people are on stage and they are not in control of the room. So like open mics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ugh, lots of 
do you feel any sort of uh, compulsion toward specific subject matter? I mean, in I fucking hate saying things like being a woman, but you know, you've you've mentioned it. Like you are a woman, you are in comedy. It's a male dominated industry. Like, do you feel pulled toward a certain type of a certain type of persona, a certain type of subject matter, or you just do you? I just do. I just do me, and I don't like to say that. Like, do you? Like, I don't like that phrase, but because I don't. I guess I don't really know what that means. I just write jokes based on my life experiences and my life experiences are that of a female. My perspective is how I live my life and my perspective is what I share. And uh, if you can relate to that, that's amazing. And if you can't, find a different comedian. That's how I feel when people say that women aren't funny or women, you're alienating half the audience when you talk about women Mm -hmm. stuff. But like female members of audiences are able to laugh along at uh, male experiences because we have imagination. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you can't do that, that seems like a you problem, not a me problem. Well, I I think a lot of men are just naturally, not naturally, but they're encultured to not have to give a shit is really what it is because they've, the whole world is catered to them forever, especially white men, especially Midwestern white men, right? Who have a very limited frame of reference. Like the, the world has just been catered to them. Every TV show is white, fat white dude on TV being funny. Like it's just, everything is, everything is on the plate for you. If you're a white dude up until oh, like yeah. a few months ago when all of a sudden like, holy shit, it's not just white people on TV. Oh, so it is shattering their worldview. Dudes are trying, like white guys are really struggling to catch up. They are going through it. And it's my favorite thing to watch. <laughs> Uh, it's my favorite conversation to have because I get to be like, hmm, so I don't understand, Jeff. Why does that upset you? Yeah, nothing's being taken from you. Somebody said a mean thing and it wasn't even mean. It was just like your time is up. Yeah, I'm just going to give you enough rope for you to climb the tree and just hang yourself basically is yeah. what's going to happen. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about some fangirl shit. Um, let's, let's get after it. So uh, I'm fangirling is the book. Uh, we've, we've heard good things about it. It's what talk me through it like i i I saw some reviews and shit you did a good job good for you um i've not read it yet i do want to read it i really do i don't recommend it why i don't know because it's literally here let me break it down what it is for you so i am a big new kids on the block fangirl and a lot of your listeners might not know who new kids on the block is because they are very i mean like it was like a huge thing in the late 80s early 90s but like whatever you've heard lfo's summer girls you've heard the name at least Right. Yeah, no, not no. My audience knows new kids. I'm telling. Oh, you. all right. I don't oh, know yeah. what. Oh, is. no, oh, no. no. T- my my audience is like basically dickheads like me, <laughs> and dickheads like you. Like this is pretty much. It's it's a very <laughs> it's a very limited scope of an audience. I don't have a whole. I, I mean, I do have some younger fans, like you know, younger people that I met uh, when I did their school or whatever. But like uh, generally, it's it's all it's all motherfuckers who get the same references. So we got grown ups involved. Okay. Well, specific types of like post-nerd book-liking grown-ups, you know. Hey, uh, this book is not uh, an intellectual book. <laughs> it is not. Um, okay, so I, I self-published, obviously, and I like to say that because people are always like, you put out a book. I'm like, I did, but it was easy because I just clicked a button and nobody could tell me no. I wrote blog recaps after three or four, maybe three, three four consecutive um, New Kids on the Block cruises. So, yes. yes. So they do a yearly cruise and I have been on it several times. And I wrote like 10 to 12 part blog series after each cruise. And all of the fans really liked reading them because they were really like self-deprecating and really honest. Like all I wanted was to like touch a pocket of one of the guys or whatever. And it's like people enjoy reading a raw honesty with a little comedic twist. 
So during quarantine, the first time back in uh, April, I thought I should put these together into a book. It'll be like a nice treat for the friends that I made on the cruise because we were supposed to cruise again in April. Mm-hmm. And obviously that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the very least, I thought I'm going to release it on the day we were supposed to go on the cruise. And uh, maybe like 20 people who I made friends with on the cruise who are going to be in the book, in the stories, they'll buy it. We'll all reminisce and have a nice time. And then two weeks later, I had sold like um, 300 copies, <laughs> which is not a lot, but it is a lot for self-published. Yeah, for a self-published book, 300 copies is a lot of, a lot of copies. It shows, like, it shows that you actually have a, an organic fan base. Yeah, and those fans are, the New Kids on the Block fandom is like the most loyal fandom. They will celebrate anybody who's in the fandom who does a thing. That fandom will lift you the fuck up. It's amazing. I love it. All right. So new kid, we have to, there's a lot to take apart here and keep in I mind know. before we go too crazy here, keep in mind that I, as a, as a young man was very much a new kids fan. Um, Who was your favorite? Jonathan. That's yeah. a solid choice. That's a good choice. I liked that he was the baritone, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I grew into. It just, it all, see the secret. Also, I, I don't know. I liked that he was like the quiet, unassuming one. I thought Jordan was always doing too much. Uh, Don, Donnie was a little tough. Joey was just a kid. Like Joey was my age. Like fuck that kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> uh, no comments. Who did I miss? Did I miss somebody? Danny. Oh yeah, and Danny. I there was something really something about Danny. I just didn't. There was something nondescript about Danny that I couldn't get behind. It was those high cheekbones. I was so I was so vain. He's got a he has a real chiseled face. Also, and you don't have to put this in, but like. I will share this, obviously, and the Blockhead fandom is going to go nuts because it's a, a podcast that's not about new kids. We're talking about new kids. Yeah. They're going to go nuts and they're going to listen. You're going to get a lot of... I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah, they're um, wild. I'm telling you. And my PR team will probably share it. And they <laughs> they represent Danny <laughs> and like a couple of Backstreet Boys and like all that shit. So... I love it. I, I I think it's great. I really was like as a young kid, I was into them. Like I was into I was into guy groups. I was into that sort of thing before by before the term boy band existed, right? But I loved I loved like the Jackson Five. I loved anybody with coordinated outfits and some good dances. And I liked pop music. Like I just did. I was I was a very special kind of young boy. Like my 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 aunts like got me New Kids on the Block t shirts and shit. And I'm like I'm not gonna wear these to school. Because I learned about saying certain things on the bus already. So, like, let me just keep my little gayness to myself. But, like, I really was a New Kids fan. Not, not fucking around. I believe you and I love that about you. But it makes me sad that you had to, like, cater to toxic masculinity when you were a kid. Just like every little boy does. Of and course. you're like, I'm not allowed to like this completely innocuous thing that I like. Because you'll think that it means that I'm gay. And being gay is inherently bad right now. Right. Right. And I don't even understand. And that doesn't cover it. So yeah, like there's, there's so much. Uh, so you were a new kids fan, obviously yeah. from, a, from a young age, but like, was the, at what point did the obsession start? Did it, were you obsessed from a young age or was it in your teen later on years? You're like, I've rediscovered and I'm way into it now. Well, it wasn't, I mean, it was an obsession because that was the only thing that I knew when I was that young, like my older cousin introduced me to new kids on the block. I was like three or four years old at the time when they were at their peak Mm -hmm. and I was, that's way too young to like discover music on your own, you know? Sure. Um, But my, my very cool older cousin would give me all of her hand-me-downs. Like, so her new kids um, 
nightgowns and her pillowcases and her pillowcase that she gave me in 1989, I still have to this day. Uh, it is very faded. <laughs> I don't think I would have cared about them at all or known anything about them if it weren't for her. Shout out Mandy. What up, Mandy? Uh, and yeah, and like we would we would watch their Hangin' Tough concert special every time she babysat us. So it was like we got to know all those songs really well. Yes. It was like an obsession with that concert special in particular. Mm-hmm. And the way that I kind of viewed them when I when I was a little kid was like almost like a Disney prince. Like they didn't seem like real people. It was like just this like kind of fantasy character that we were all just like, oh my God, I love Joey. It's like you're five years old. What do you know about that? But he was the young one. So I was legally obligated to have him as my favorite. I inherently didn't like him because he was the young one. Uh, but like the babysitter thing really needs to be addressed. And I don't feel like it doesn't get addressed enough because I was raised almost entirely. I was obviously I had parents, but like I was, I spent a lot of time with a lot of middle school and high school babysitters. Yeah. And all they wanted to do was like, you know, teach me uh, and we would like choreograph new kids dances and they would Mm -hmm. teach me how to put on makeup and they would like, you know, and they were just basically fostering this little queer child. (laughs) (laughs) My parents are like, it's so good that you and Heather get along so well. I'm like, I know, right? She told me this awesome stuff about makeup. (laughs) She told me how to get cheekbones like Danny would. (laughs) Yeah. All kinds of shit. I loved the new kids. Uh, I really did at the time. I loved them to a point. But then I felt like when we hit step by step, they started to get a little too highfalutin for their own good. I don't know why, but that was a gut feeling I had at like eight years old. I mean, I think that they would say the same thing at this point. They were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And they came from, aside from Joe, Joe came from a richer suburb. The other four came from, you know, like Dorchester. In yeah. Massachusetts, they were all poor. Like Donnie Wahlberg lived with his like what a thousand siblings in a very tiny house. They all they were like street fighting. They were all like street dancers. Sure. And that's kind of how they formed. They all knew each other from kindergarten on. And like they were presented with endless opportunities. You know, like I would be a douche too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I fully understand that. So you now like know these dudes because we're going into I want to move into this. I want to move into the cruise ship thing. <laughs> so the NKT, NKOTB, I almost said the wrong thing. NK, mm-hmm. you remember when NKO, okay, were you alive? I'm going to fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm derailing. Were you alive and conscious or were you conscious of the fact when they tried to market themselves at NKOTB as opposed to like the full whatever it was? Yeah, I remember that. I don't, that was, was that right before they broke up? Yeah. So I was in like, I was, I was like, right in there. I remember this happening and I just remember be like, okay, I'm calling bullshit because I'm not yeah. buying, I'm not taking a name change. I don't think I was paying that much attention. I think right around that time I was like 10, 11 years old. R&B, that was my TLC phase, my voice to mm-hmm. men. I was very into brandy, immature. I was very into cultural appropriation. <laughs> I did not know that's what I was doing until many years later, but I did get box braids. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, so you go on the you go on these tours. We are just we are sweet, making no sense myself. Uh, we are dipping all over the place because I know I have to edit these episodes via Zoom. I'm so less professional than I normally am. Where I'm normally like, "Hello, there's a person, and welcome to <laughs> welcome to Drunken NPR." Is basically what my show is. Uh, I kind of think the funniest stuff comes out of just like. You know, let's do improv. Let, okay, all right. Sorry. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, <laughs> all right. 
NKOTB cruise happens. First of all, what's the demographic about? Because you talked about like me making a lot of friends, and I totally understand like going to a conference, a niche art festival thing, and meeting friends and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That you're all you're all combined that way. But like, what's the what's the general demographic like? Um, it is probably nine. Oh God, I was going to say ninety percent women, but I think it's more than that. There's roughly three thousand people are able to go on the cruise every year, depending on the boat. Um, and it is mostly women who are aged, you know, like 40 to 50, mm-hmm. mostly I'm an outlier and there are other outliers. They are mostly married. They're mostly mothers. They are mostly, um, embarking on their only vacation of the year. So they go buck wild Word. and it is incredible to see. It's, it's, it's so hard to explain and like get people to understand just the the pure ridiculousness of 40 something women, 3000 40 something women just letting loose, having the time of their lives, reliving their childhood memories, getting to like forget all the troubles of their everyday life. And I don't have a lot of those troubles. Like I do whatever I want always because I don't have kids. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I was, you know, like I party like that frequently because like I'm an alcoholic. Um, But they, they just, that's their time. And you can tell, and they do, they do theme nights every night for the big deck parties. And like these girls go all out for their costumes. It's just the, the camaraderie and the common interest and the just pure unadulterated. We're here to have a good time. It just really like, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Just <laughs> okay, So I'm sure like the, so the book I'm sure is full of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the book, the book is like my first person account. It reads kind of like a diary basically mm-hmm. of my time on the cruise. So you're going to see the cruise through my eyes, which is a little bit different than other people's because I, I am a fangirl, but I'm not like over the top and like, I don't like bothering famous people. Sure. So I want you to just think that I'm supposed to be like, I want to be part of it. Not like a fan. Sure. That's my ultimate goal. So I get weird about asking for selfies and things like that. I don't want to do that. I don't like standing in lines and I'm snarky and self-deprecating and yeah. So it's an interesting look into like a really, 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 really niche fandom experience. So you talk about like the deck parties or or the the wild stories and all that. Kind of, could you pull out one? Like, is there one like, man, this is really the definitive at this crazy shit that happened? The thing is, is it's not even like that crazy because again, (laughs) these are, you know, moms in their forties who like, this is their let loose weekend. So there's not going to be like cocaine binges and orgies or anything like that. It's more like, um, two girls showed up wearing a costume that was like pasties and like a little underwear one time. And that was the the scandal of the weekend. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody got real mad. People get mad if somebody's hot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but that's not that's not abnormal for a niche fan group right it really isn't it, yeah you just think that they'll get something that you won't get and i have been guilty of that before as well but i try to check my my internal uh misogyny comes out and i just like slap it back in so there's nothing like super wild it's just that it's its own society which is what's weird mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i try to show in my blogs unintentionally that's what i found that i showed in my blogs i didn't set out to do that but you know how you can ascribe meaning to things after the fact, like tattoos? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. So, I mean, so basically it's like it's like Burning Man for PTA members, essentially. 100%. Burning Man for horse girls. 
Uh, I'm, I almost said cat ladies, but I, I didn't. But horse I mean, girls, sure. horse girls. And I'm, like, like I'm not being mean. Like I'm one of them. I'm no not doubt. a horse girl, but <laughs> I'm a cat lady. <laughs> what? What? Wait a minute. When you say horse girl, you, we're, we're talking about the same thing, right? Like a girl who's like way too into horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And might have a shirt with like a wolf on it. That kind of totally, thing. Totally, totally. Or a, a sweater with a horse on it and the tail is yarn. <laughs> God bless you very much. Or uh, like um, uh, an array of Lisa Frank folders that are all unicorns, right? So many unicorns. Yeah. And now those horse girls have grown up to have like a hutch in their living room with like ceramic unicorns. <laughs> and we act like this is so weird when there are guys <laughs> with guys with like whole rooms full of like uh, beheaded deer. Yeah, and shit. Like just it's just as, just as fucking strange. It's right. just as ceramic dumb. As fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she and is a crystal. If you have ceramic unicorns, your name is Crystal or Teresa, no exceptions. <laughs> My sister's name is Teresa. That's great. My ex stepmom's name is Teresa, and she had ceramic unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's not any weirder than like a collection of AR-15s. I don't think. I think it's much less weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I yeah. would I would agree, but you know we have to cater to the right. Do we? No, God, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> On this show? Fuck no. Uh, not even close. Not even close. Though I do love the fact that I can curse on this one because we're not on the actual radio today. So uh, oh, that is nice because I already did. I know we're just way out there. Um, you do get to interact with the actual with the actual new kids. I mean, yeah. It's before I went on the cruise. They had a two season reality show on Pop TV called Rock This Boat. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which you can still find on YouTube if you're curious, if you want to watch like a 20-minute episode to kind of see visually what it really is. Although that was very reality TV, like scripted to manufacture drama. Um, but it's still, you get an idea of kind of what it looks like. Sure. But, uh, yeah, so I had seen both of those seasons. And then the first year I went in 2016 was the first year they did not do the reality show which was a bummer because obviously my intention was to get on the reality show. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I met a, a girl online on a, in a message board on newkidsontheblock.com who I ended up rooming with on the cruise. We had never met, but we did share a bed. <laughs> There's events every night, like a theme party on the Lido deck every night, which starts at about 11 midnight. And then there are theaters. Oh, shit. Shows. Like, we're really going after it. Oh, one, like, you don't sleep on the cruise. Oh, I mean, cool. that sounds like Burning Man or a poetry festival or any of these rock show that's festivals I, mean. I do. Yeah, but, like, man, that's, I didn't, like, I thought, I didn't know if it was like, hey, all the horse girls, we're going to party, but 1030, it's shutting down, you know? Mm -hmm. So nothing really happens during the day. It's like, you know, milling around, like, whatever. You might run into one of them in the hallway and grab a selfie. Right. Um, but then there are theater shows on the cruise where it's like you, they have a concert every time, um, which is nice. So they do two of those because they have to split the crowd into two because you can't fit everyone in the theater. Of course, yeah. Uh, and then they'll do like some weird theater show that's like, I don't know, they've done game shows before. They'll do, sometimes they'll have, they've done stand-up comedy before because they'll have like Adam Ray come on who's friends with Joey McIntyre. I know Adam Ray. Mm -hmm. They Jenny McCarthy will do her radio show live from the boat sometimes. Just like whatever they can think of to do events. Because mm -hmm. if you give all of these women to our own devices, you know, like it just gets like that. Yes. But uh, yeah, and then right around 11 or so is when the, the deck party starts. But people will have been gathering for several hours to get a good spot by the stages. We call those Lido campers. 
And yeah, and then they'll do like they don't perform at these parties, but they will stand on stage for hours and like kind of like ad lib to the DJ music and like you know crowd surf and like just interact with people and kind of yeah, sure. people on stage just in groups to like show off their theme costumes and and then when you, if you get on the main stage, that's like the ultimate goal of the whole cruise is you want to get on that main stage. How does one get on the main stage? Well, you've got to be asked by one of the new kids. Right. But like, is there a, you just kind of position yourself and look cute and like, you, maybe they'll pull you out like a, like a Courtney Cox, Bruce Springsteen moment or like, what's the deal? No, at this point in all of our lives, um, it's not about like the hot girl getting pulled on. It's definitely about like, do you have a fun, like a fun costume that would be oh, okay. like me or uh, if you're a face that like Donnie knows, like Donnie's got his group of favorites which thankfully I am now a part of. I love it. Climb that social ladder. I'm gonna, we're going to that. That, <laughs> that was the, that's the question I've been like putting off from yeah, the yeah. I asked you to do the show. But he's got his crew. Like all of the guys have like the people that they know or whatever throughout the years. And so some, and people that like, so uh, my friend Cedric will get pulled on stage all the time. Donnie loves a, a male New Kids fan. Like he celebrates like the husbands and the boyfriends who get pulled into it, who end up becoming fans themselves. So all the guys will always get pulled up there. Cedric will sing songs or rap or something. And um, my friend Amber gets pulled up to do her songs all the time. Like anybody who can sing along to whatever song, I don't know. It's just like a, it becomes its own society. So there are, there are inside jokes and like rules that people just know if you've gone every year. So it's weird to explain to outsiders. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's what we're here for, right? Like that's the whole point And that's the whole point of, of, of everything. How did you end up in like Donnie's crew? Cause like I've seen a lot of photos of you and Donnie Wahlberg kicking it like your friends. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, many of those photos I'm with a large group of other people who are also taking selfies with him, but like, sure. You know, so I'm not like best. I've never been to his house. I don't have his phone number. I get a hold of him through either through his assistant or via DMs on Twitter. So, right, but not, like you've been you've been in each other's DMs, is what I'm saying. And I'm not being. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I call him Uncle Donnie. It's not a sexual thing. <laughs> no, I I get that. But what I'm saying is like you two do know each other. He knows who you are. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, how did that whole thing happen? Well, he didn't know who I was at all until, um, so Megan, my friend Megan, uh, Elaine, and I used to do this inaccurate and inappropriate weekly video show where we just like kind of bullshitted for five minutes or so and put the video online and people seemed to like it. So we thought, let's give people a glimpse into Kara's life and we'll go out behind the Van Andel during a New Kids on the Block concert <laughs> and see if we can see any of the guys, you know? So we did, and there was nobody out there. And so we were like, well, we're not going to waste all this time. Let's go do shots. So we went uh, to Gardella's to do some shots. And then a girl that I know from the fandom, Rhonda, dropping names so that people um, get excited. Rhonda! Rhonda, what's good, Rhonda? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Rhonda texted me a picture of Donnie who who came out and was taking selfies with everybody who was out there. And I was like, are you kidding me? They only come out the second I walk away every single time. So we were live on Facebook as inaccurate and inappropriate. And it caught me having a meltdown that I missed Donnie Wahlberg because he had come out right when I left. So what we decided to do was quick pay our tab and run like, which is just a swift walk with bigger arm movements. Uh, Those were air quotes when run air quotes run, just audio note. Thank you. Yeah, um, so we ran back and we managed to catch him since we were still on live on Facebook. 
So then Megan was like, we're going to interview him. He's not going to have a choice because we're already live. So he got to us. Like he's oh, coming down okay. to right, okay. the arena. And he got to us and Megan's like, can I ask you a couple questions? And I was very worried about bothering him like I tend to be. So I said, Megan, we can't. He doesn't have enough time. You know, there are bits before the concert. He's got to do a sound check. But he said, no, I've got time. And he stood there and did an interview with us live on our show. And then he shared it on his Facebook. So then it got like 150,000 views like overnight. And it was like a 10 minute long video of mostly me melting down and then like four minutes of Johnny Wahlberg at the end. And then fans got really mad about the makeup that I was wearing for some reason. Like they thought that my makeup was bad, but it wasn't. It was good. Uh, I was wearing blue lipstick, which now has, has unfortunately become my signature because people know it so much. And it's oh, so not, like so like you've got like a club kid name, except it's you've got the blue lipstick. Yeah, and oh, it's not wow. even like makeup trendy anymore. This was like 2016. It's not cool anymore. <laughs> so I have to still wear it sometimes. It's really painful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he that was the first time he like kind of talked to me as like a person. And then when he shared it, then he would interact with me on Facebook a little bit. Then the next year on the cruise, when I saw him, he remembered who I was, and I saw him. <laughs> in the crowd at a concert that summer in Detroit and he recognized me and like gave me a big old hug when he was walking through the crowd and everybody was like what so he never forgets a face ever like literally ever and as much like John Mulaney described Bill Clinton mm-hmm. uh yeah so he then started to read my blogs I guess after the cruise somehow and he would reply to them on Twitter and was like bro these are so funny I can't wait to see you next year. You know, like, and that's, that's amazing. Yeah. He slid into my DMs. <laughs> I, that's fucking amazing. I used to work, I used to work for this, this theater in Chicago that we, we've never named on the show, but it's a, a very popular theater in Chicago. And he was in with uh, his wife and they were mm-hmm. like, Hey, uh, Baz, uh, Donnie Wahlberg's in box in with Jenny McCarthy. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And everyone's like, dude, we should, you know, and it was one of these, like he drinks vodka and diet and uh, sugar-free Red Bull. So we had to go across this because we don't, we, but we don't stock it. So I had to go, go get it, the whole thing. Right. But it's this kind of joke about, of course, everyone got hung up on the celebrity of it. Like, holy shit, Donnie Wahlberg, he was in that thing. Jenny McCarthy, can you believe it? And like, and you know, it's their celebrities are at that theater. Like we dealt with, a lot of very, very, very famous people. So it wasn't like a thing, but right. everyone, when everybody else was glomming on to like the, I didn't know Donnie was married to Jenny McCarthy and that's so weird. How do they look? And that sort of thing. I was just like, I should call my friend Kara. Oh my God. Like, that's all I could think. Was just like, you I should literally, when was this? Uh, two, three years ago. You could have probably been like, yo, my friend Kara says, hey, and he would have known. I know, but I would have <laughs> like, and that was the thing I wanted to do, but I yeah. would have lost, like you, I can't interact with uh, talent and celebrities in that regard. Right. Um, You're not supposed to, yeah. Right. So even when I'm around, you know, very famous people that I want to gush over, I can't, I have to just be like, hello, mm-hmm. you know, like I had a, an interesting interaction with, um, I'm not a Joe Rogan guy, but he was, you know, cool enough. And he was standing this close to me talking to me about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be like, Hey, we should just kibitz. Like, I want to ask you questions about fights or whatever, but right. I couldn't. I just had to be like, yes, very interesting. Absolutely. Have a great set. And then walk off. You know, like I can't even when I'm very around. interesting, generic patron. <laughs> yes, precisely. Like I have to, I have to treat people that way or like Nick Offerman was around. I'm like, Oh, I want to talk to Nick Offerman. You know, that kind of thing, but I can't do that. So that I feel like I'm bound by that rule as well, but just like my own weird, like I want them to think I'm one of them. So I don't want to like, 
fangirl, but I am a fangirl. So it just ends up being a terrible, awkward experience for both of us. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so like, it seems like from a fangirl standpoint though, this isn't the, this isn't the only scene you belong to. You, you certainly, you talked about ascending the social ladder of country line dancing. God bless you. Thank you um, for sharing that with us. But you also like were a were a heart like a big time scene kid, right? I yes, I was a big scene. I called myself a scene queen. All right, so define scene queen for for the listeners out there. Well, I don't think that I was actually a scene queen. I think it was just um, I was trying to manifest it. But it's just it was it's kind of like a bar star. Do you know what a bar star is? Instead of being people people recognize from like the industry, the bar industry, and being out at clubs, it's being somebody who's at every single, you know, scene show at the intersection, which is in Grand Rapids. So people aren't going to know, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was like, whoever can see through their bangs the least is the queen. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I get that. And you know, as someone that used to run bars and running a lot of late night bar circles and stuff like that, there were always the people that you go, wait a minute, where's Jill work? And, or that sort of thing. And you're just like, oh, Jill doesn't, Jill's not actually a bartender. She just is the one who gets to hang out with all the bartenders. Well, lucky you. So I, I totally understand what bar star, we, but I'm talking about the, will you define the specificity of the scene, right? Like, were you, yeah. did you use the E word? Emo? Yeah. I mean, no, we kind of thought that that was a bad word back then. Right. <laughs> but I, at the same, like I wasn't listening to like dashboard or all of the like, woe is me sad stuff. I would listen to screamo. Okay. And mo- but but turns out I was mostly listening to like pop punk. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I really, my favorites who I had seen. Okay. This is an interesting story, I guess. Um, so I was, I got talked into going to the intersection probably like the summer after I graduated high school. And it was to see this new band Fall Out Boy. <laughs> oh, I've got the Fall Out Boy stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I saw Fall Out Boy who played with Lucky Boy's Con- Confusion and LBC. Oh, I haven't heard Lucky Boy's Confusion out loud for 20 years. Right? That's crazy. That yeah. was, or maybe, maybe they weren't at that show. I don't know. I saw them like right around that time too. Yeah. But So then the Plain White Tees were like the, the early, early, early opener, like the very first band that played. They mm-hmm. were like, oh, it's just some band out of Chicago. Yep. And the ticket cost me like $5 to see all these bands. It ended with Pete Wentz hanging from the rafters, screaming like the last note. And I was enamored. And I thought I was so cool. I'm like, I'm a fucking punk rocker now. Um, I literally thought that. But it turns out I still just liked cute boys on stage. It's just that they played instruments now. Sure. Well, yeah, but that started my whole thing. I saw Plain White Tees probably like 30 more times over the next couple of years. I ended up street teaming, air quotes again street teaming for several record labels, Capital, Fearless, mm-hmm. Epitaph, um, Fueled by Ramen. I feel like I'm 2005 name dropping right now. Well, that's uh, what we're doing. Welcome, yeah. <laughs> welcome to Busted Mouth. Yeah. And then I would, I became like the person who sold, who manned the merch booth for sure. playing like teas whenever they were in Michigan. And then Tom DeLong, not, nope, Tom Higginson from Plain White Teas. Sorry, Tom DeLong. Um, Tom he's not he's not listening he's he's trying to pick a bandwidth from uh the cosmos <laughs> um yeah so tom higginson from plain white tees would and if that's not his last name still i'm just gonna roll with it, it doesn't. higginson it is great higginbottom <laughs> tom higginbottom tom yep. hessenfenner 
Crunson. He introduced me or himself to me every single time, like every time, as if it was the first time we were meeting. And that started to weigh on me. So I was like, it's just that I don't look punk rock enough is the thing. So then I thought <laughs> I was 19 years old when I got these star tattoos on yes. my radicals. Classic. Mm-hmm. And they're not they're either stars or they're swallows, right? Right. Yep. It was a little bit pre-swallow. I think mm-hmm. you have to have jutting bones. Like you have to have jutting collarbones or hip bones to get the swallows. <laughs> right. And then there was the also... Revolvers. You could get the revolvers The, the revolvers on the hip bones was a common yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Uh, but I didn't have hip bones. <laughs> the, my favorite was always the one that I was like, I wish I was cool enough for this. Was the, was the nautical star on the elbow. But yes. there's nautical, nautical star on one and the spider web on the other, right? Yep. Was like That's how you knew. <laughs> But I mean, like, I feel like these star tattoos that I got so that Tom would remember me, which mm-hmm. did not work by the way. Like, you know how you can tell if a man is in his 40s because he's got like a tribal or a, a barbed wire tattoo around his upper yes. arm? Yes, yeah, I do. So that, is, that was like the late 90s. You could tell if a, a man was coming of age in the late 90s if he has mm-hmm. that tattoo. But you can tell that I was coming of age in the early 2000s based on yep. these tattoos. And it's really embarrassing. But it's not. Um, but is it though? No, I mean, I mean I, no. you can feel embarrassed, but it's just I don't think so. It's like, yeah, this is who I was then, you know? Like I wanted to feel like a part of it. Tom never remembered my name, but I did meet um this band Whole Wheat Bread, who was touring with the matches at the time. And not not a lot of people know the matches, but they are my still my absolute favorite band. Sorry, new kids. <laughs> they don't exist any longer. They broke up a long time ago, but yeah, so I met this band, Whole Wheat Bread, who was a trio of black guys in a punk band, which is why they were not white bread. They were Whole Wheat Bread, which yeah. I found delightful. They really, I feel like they really missed an opportunity for Pumpernickel. Yeah, you know what? Or Rye, Rye Bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pumpernickel's darker, though. You're right. I just think Pumpernickel as the name of a punk band is kind of fun. That's all. Punkernickel. Girl, or, or pump, Pumpernipple. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Pump, did you say pumper nipple? Yes. Yeah. Pump, no. Pump, pumper nipple. <laughs> you know, like a it's a punk bit. It's come on. All right, fine. Go on. So you were touring with matches. Well, I was at a matches show. You were at a matches show. You don't <laughs> like my puns. Go on. At the Temple Club in Lansing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a uh, thick white girl in the front row, and everybody else was like heroin chic, and these the lead singer of Holy Bread took a fancy to me and blah, 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 yada, 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 the Seinfeld thing. Mm -hmm. I I got it. I became known as star tits. (laughs) (laughs) And again, clavicle. Okay. Those are definitely not your tits. Much lower than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They would, whenever they were in Michigan, they would put me on the list as star tits and I would have to say to the girl at the ticket booth, hi, I'm star tits in order to get in. Uh, And I had such low self-esteem in my early twenties that I did that. (laughs) That's a bummer. It is. But I mean, like we had fun. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I get it. There's only so much to be embarrassed about, right? Like I think if you're over 30 and you don't have at least one tattoo that you're like this fucking tattoo, I don't know. Like, what were you doing? What were you doing? That's not even my worst ones. I have a tattoo on my hip that I picked off the wall at a tattoo shop when I was 18. What? Tell me, is it a dolphin or a leprechaun? Oh, it's neither, but it's close. It's Tasmanian the, devil? It's the tragedy comedy masks. Oh, yikes. I know. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a real classic. Um, 
I had a friend who got the got the tragedy comedy mask done because it was a Motley Crue album, the Theater of Pain album, I think was the. I could be mixing this up. Excuse me, hair metal nerds. Uh, but he had that thing, not knowing that like it would become popular down the road as like a popular tattoo. He's like, "No, I'm not a fucking loser. I'm a Motley Crue fan." It's like, prove ah. it. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't prove it. Can't prove it, can you? Can you? Uh, can't prove like a you, negative. If you could carbon date the tattoo to show him that he got it before it became a thing, then sure, but you can't. Or we should maybe get date stamps on everything from now on. Oh, yeah. Like a little, mm-hmm, I agree. Right. Also, like maybe a rating of how drunk or um, inebriated you were, you know, like a star system. Basically, I just want like a full rundown of what the each what each tattoo is. The yeah. tattoo on its own just doesn't work for me. I agree. Maybe it could be like invisible ink and you have to scan it in order to get that information, like a QR code. That perfect. Yeah, let's just all just get QR codes. That's even I, better. If we all just get tattoos. I know the story of my tattoo, just scan the code. Don't talk to me. Or just no more tattoos. Like you could just get the QR code tattooed and then someone could take the picture of your arm and then like, oh look at it's it's Starry Night by Van Gogh. Uh, imagine how much cheaper that would be. <laughs> <laughs> and weirder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you were covered in QR code and they'd be like, did you, did you get leprosy as a kid? Like what happened? Did we just invent the cool new trend? Uh, I'm pretty sure we did start it. You and me. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, mean. Woo! Um, so what's, so what's the plan going forward here? I know obviously we live on the moon now. What with, uh, what with COVID and everything and I, and everybody's itching to get back to, uh, it didn't get back to, to live shows and everything. Um, have you done, have you created any sort of pivot for yourself in terms of like your trajectory as a comedian of now you're doing different things because of COVID or you're just like, fuck it. I'm just still funny. I'm just not doing shows. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't, I did a couple shows during that little sweet spot where we pretended COVID was done. Right. Um, where, but it was like, you know, scarcely attended and we all had we switched out the actual microphones and had microphone condoms and it was like a five minute lag between comedians you gotta wipe down the mic and all that jazz uh the audience is all wearing masks and you can't tell who's laughing (laughs) and they're all seated so far away that the laughter just dissipates into the ceiling the second it happens i mean it was still fun because i hadn't done comedy in like six months so it was nice to be back at it but it was not the same so now none of the, all of the shows that I had booked are obviously canceled again. And um, I got a TikTok, I guess is my answer. <laughs> That's a fine answer. I know a lot of people that have migrated to TikTok. What else are you supposed to do right now? But I have to train, like, it's hard to transition into doing one minute or less things. Mm, yeah. Like the, what gets recognized on TikTok is just like recreations of the same dance. And you have to be just like a hot girl with her ass out. Otherwise... It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'll do a TikTok video and then just like post it to Facebook and get my attention that way because it's not happening on the TikTok platform. Yeah, I don't, I've not, I've not even, I've not looked into TikTok. I've seen, obviously I've seen TikTok videos like on streams of things, but I've never opened it. I don't have it. I don't know if I'm, I I don't know if I have to go there. And I think it's just, I think by the time I decide it's going to be dead, just like everything else, right? I think you could do it. Honestly, if you just like said sentences, uh, like they fan the girl they stan do like sexy dudes with deep voices oh. like that's all you need to have on tiktok and then you'll have like a thousand fans you just you just made me blush good for you thank you i don't see it i'm hiding behind this pop filter <laughs> but seriously like it's i like i feel like it feels like shouting into the void i'll get like 
uh, maybe a hundred views on a video and like three likes and that's all that happens but which sucks because i'm used to getting much more attention on things that i post i feel like i could just like uh, i'll frame up really tight right right on my face and uh frame it up really tight and then just read really shitty quotes just like mm. like get real real tight black and white and just be like it's always darkest before the dawn keep going your heart is an eagle <laughs> And then like end, and I bet that would take off. It absolutely would because TikTok <laughs> is a huge fan of irony. Like really, Gen Z loves sarcasm and irony. Like they celebrate it, I think, more than any other generation. And they're so good at it. I thought you were referring to a person when you said Gen Z. I was like, who's Gen Z? Is she a famous person? Like G-E-N, not no, no. J-E-N. Oh no, I get it. I'm just old and stupid. I didn't even. I mean, they dominate TikTok. That's Gen Z's domain. I feel like an imposter as a millennial, but you gotta, you know, it's whatever. We all need it. We can't socialize in real life. So but what is if you did exactly what you said? <laughs> I think you would be successful. All right, maybe I'll do it. Um, what is what are you? What kind of videos are you doing? Um, I started out doing this character called Midwest Mom. Yeah, and she, my, when I got the TikTok, it was my intention was to just, just be the Midwest Mom character and like react to other TikToks like. She sounds very, she's, oh my God, you know, yeah. TikTok, I don't even know what that's about. She did like a whole thing about talking about what that WAP song. It's the wet A word, P word. Uh, <laughs> and she doesn't understand macaroni in a pot because from her perspective, it's it sounds like this person has vaginosis. It's more like cottage cheese and a hot dog bun. <laughs> so that was like. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> that was my intention was to just be that character on TikTok, but then sure. I, nobody cared about it. So I don't really make videos on TikTok as much. Mm. I just kind of like scroll for three hours when I get high. Fair enough. And I feel like that's all I've seen of TikTok is just when you see uh, like a TikTok compilation video on YouTube, which I watch when I'm high, you know? Because mm -hmm. what else are you going to do when you can't leave your house? Right. At least that ends, though. It gives you an ending point. Oh, that's right. Because it's it's a scroll like anything. So there's just no yes. there's no pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. Correct. It goes on forever. Every once in a while, you'll come across an advertisement that TikTok puts out. That's like, I know you've been scrolling for a while now. It's time to get some rest. And I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know my dad TikTok? Fuck you. Oh, what's your face? You have red hair. I don't know. That means nothing. But like, you got to pick on the people. Hey, so let me ask you uh, before we, this has been so fun talking to you, um, but we do have to, we do have to stop talking at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me ask you the question I ask most people. I know that, I know that you're, you've got a wide breadth of shows. So grab from wherever, worst show you've ever done mm. or been okay. to, or been to just whatever, just hit me, hit me something good. So I did a show at this place called the Coopersville Farm Museum. Already okay. sounds awesome. Yes. Yep. Um, I was in this group called Funny Girls. It's an all-female comedy collective. And um, there were only, I think, three stand-up comedians in the group. Most of them were improvisers. A lot of us were sketch actors. And there were three stand-up comedians. So the three of us got booked to do this show. Coopersville Farm Museum. Small town, farm museum. Oh, yeah. My material is not uh, clean. And they did require clean because it was a farm museum. <laughs> uh they had a cart we got there they had a cart with a bunch of like homemade seat cushions that they handed out to everybody <laughs> to put on their folding chairs so that they would be more comfortable because they were all very old this was my first red flag 
well, it was the 17th red flag. We were the openers, the three of us, three women, me, Sydney Smith, Sarah Jean Anderson. None of us clean comics. <laughs> we were the opener for this, this uh, well-established, quote-unquote, adult, like in his 50s, male comedian who had been touring for 20 years and who's had accolades like he had been on Dick Clark's bloopers and Comedy Central from like 1993 or uh, literally in his bio it said something to the effect of and one of the only Michigan comedians to uh, periodically perform at the blah 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 casino in Las Vegas periodically periodically Mm -hmm. so we arrived and he was walking in and he just looked at us and snarled and said you must be funny girls and we were like okay yes we are yes we are this is going to be amazing so we all did our thing the room full of old people loved us i talked about not doing laundry and being a garbage person that was the only clean material i had (laughs) no pun intended Uh (laughs) uh-huh no it was intended clean laundry yeah, it was. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Um, and then he got on stage and it was as if he had transported from 1996. He literally did a man walks into a bar and talked about how uh, kids these days just don't understand uh, records because they just want to play their CDs. And like this <laughs> kid who was near me was like, what the fuck is a CD? <laughs> <laughs> it was it. very, very weird. And, and, it actually was like, am I seeing Tim Allen in 1993 right now? Like it was crazy. Yeah. He was not funny. He thought he was so funny, but you can tell like that he was upset at the three of us because we were like new and vibrant. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it, it, we had fine time on stage, but he was so bad that it made me like, he's an inside joke among the three of us forever. Now I just sent them a picture of him on stage yesterday. What's his name? Uh, oh God, what is it? I feel bad. He's never going to hear it. Bill, Bill Hildebrandt. Bill Hildebrandt. Bill, oh. he's, he describes himself as a pedal to the metal comedian. <laughs> he, he's the type who pushes the envelope. Yeah, oh, with a stage presence that only comes with many years on stage. So like he was already defensive about being old from the get-go. Right. And then add that to the fact that like he's got road dirt all over him. Like you can mm. just tell like, oh, oh yeah. you've been playing the lowest common denominator in bingo halls all over he Iowa. He sat on a stool. He sat on the stool. But not like in a cool, no. uh, in like a, sort of way. Nope. It was like, I need a rest. Kind of <laughs> That's not a perch. That's but a rest. I also did a show, like, that was bad just because I didn't like him at all, but I also did a, sh- a stand-up show on a Greyhound, like, a chartered bus. Um, okay. Like, on with a the, with tour. Yes, sir. That was my microphone. I stood, it was, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. It was a, we ended up being there for, like, 13 hours. It was a casino bus tour, and I was hired, my pay was to be on the bus tour for free. Um <laughs> 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 I've done the, I've done those kind of shows where you're like, wait a minute, what am I getting? And they're like, well, exposure number one, but also you get a gift bag. You're like the the audience gets, yep, and a gift bag. It was not my demographic. I was the only white comedian, and my sister and I were like kind of the only white people on the bus, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I love that, 
but they don't, I mean, like, I, what am I, I don't have jokes that are going to be like super relatable when I'm talking about my family who loves QAnon, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we didn't bring that up because I'm not going to get too far into it, but God bless you for dealing with that. Mm. He is the savior, you know? Yeah. This mm. is about children. I, I can't, oh, QAnon. I, it's so good. I spent, I look, I got a little obsessed. I'll admit that I went a little, I went a little cabin nuts. But in a curiosity way. In not a curiosity. In a, this tracks kind of a way. No, oh God, no, 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 no. But like I went so far into it, like by, I think probably late May, I might might have created a fake email address in order to create a fake Facebook profile named um, uh, 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 Liberty Tom or something of that nature, right? Yeah. And all you have to do is like put a, a, a American flag, an American flag in your avatar and whatever, and they'll put you through. You're just like, I'm Freedom Bill. And they're like, fuck yeah, Freedom Bill. <laughs> like I was that guy to infiltrate secret, uh, secret QAnon groups, closed uh -huh. private QAnon groups. I was doing that. And then there was a moment where I was sitting at this very chair, this very desk. There was a moment where I just went, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life right now? Why is this how you're spending time? I know you can't go outside, but God damn it. This is not the way. And I just went, okay, logging off permanently, but I really yeah. got way too far down the hole. Well, it's not good for your mental health. I don't think to like see all that, but I feel better knowing that there are people kind of like keeping an eye on it. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. like if they're just like insular. That makes me nervous. Yeah, well, dumb people. But we'll see how we'll see how history fucking we'll see how it shows it great. Yeah, you might say history has its eyes on you. It sure does, and it's really the greatest thing about the year twenty twenty is that you, it allowed us to go back in time. Like we started to time travel, we were able to look at somebody and immediately go, "I know exactly who you were in nineteen sixty three or nineteen thirty eight okay. Germany." You know, pick one. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> I know who you are. Uh, Kara, it's been so good hanging out with you. What a weird way to end it. But yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, will you do all the plugs? Uh, name your book. Where, where, where they can find you on TikTok, etc. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Um, so my book is called I'm Fangirling Snarky Stories and Boy Band Memories. Please just like hit me up to find it because apparently you can't search it on the website because I use swears. <laughs> and so, how, do they, how do they get you? They can find me on Facebook. It's Kara Williams. That's K-A-I-R-A Williams, how you're used to seeing it. Uh, and Instagram as at Kara J, same first name, spelling, Twitter, same thing, and TikTok, same thing. Awesome. 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 Kara, uh, so good to see you. I hope that you're, I hope you enjoyed hanging out this afternoon and that um, we'll get to see more of you. And I, I really, I really do look forward to seeing the book. I really do. I mean, I can send you a copy if you really want one. Uh, if you, I tell you what, if you send me a copy, I will, I'll send you something. I don't know what. <laughs> All right. DM me your address or say it out loud right now and put it on your podcast. Uh, yeah, totally. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Take care. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see you soon. And um, yeah, God bless America. <laughs> no, mega, just Tell the truth and shame the devil.